Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are having a great Monday pre-noon so far on this beautiful May 11th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Everybody is now done with school, at least for the winter semester, winter spring semester, because now we got summer classes. Let's go. Summer classes are a blast, but congratulations to all the people that graduated this past weekend from all their different universities, seeing that all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you want to search it, there was somebody graduating. So congratulations to everybody that made it to graduation. Now you have fun in the real world now, where people like me have an extra semester left of college. So I was partially jealous and partially not jealous, kind of happy that I had this extra semester because it's going to be hard to find a job right now especially since no one's really looking for anything since COVID-19 pretty much shut everything down across the country. So I'm a little happy. That, that's what makes me happy about having that extra semester so I can find a job. And hopefully by that time, by 2021, by the winter of 2021, I, everything's kind of back to normal. So it'll be easier to find a job. At least that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're hoping for. But still, congratulations to everybody that graduated from their respected universities and I hope everybody had a fun Mother's Day weekend Mother's Day was yesterday for those of you who didn't know if you didn't know then um yeah you probably got a mad mom somewhere so that's probably not great <laughs> but yeah I hope everybody had a fun weekend it was a pretty chilly weekend to say the least a little windy here and there especially yesterday uh, well, was it especially windy yesterday? It was windy yesterday. I'll say that. It was a little colder than what I was originally expecting. So yesterday for Mother's Day with my mom, we got brunch from Jethro's. It's like a Mother's Day brunch special. It got some like these monster breakfast burritos from Jethro's and got that. Got some cheesy potato casserole, I think is what they called it, and got some fruit and got some other things along those lines as well. It was a very good breakfast. My sister got a bunt cake from I think the place is called Anything Bunt Cake. It's over in West Des Moines, and it was it was good. It was very good. Then we went over to my nana and papa's house, hung out with them. Yeah, it was a pretty fun day last night or yesterday, fun day yesterday. And then of course, as we do every Sunday night, we watch The Last Dance. At least my dad and I do, and my sister sometimes. Actually, other than last week, she has watched all of The Last Dance, so she's done a Good job at watching that. But before we go into our recap, our Monday recap of the Logan Blackman show, I know this weekend wasn't the best for weather-wise, but hey, as of right now, it's looking pretty decent And when I look out my basement window. And right now, here in Urbadale, Iowa, this needs to update. This isn't updated. Is this updated? No, it looks updated. Because it's not cloudy here. It's sunny. But... If this is updated, it's 48 degrees and cloudy, which there's not a cloud in the sky from what I can see, but my my viewing is very limited out of this window, but it's 48 degrees, high of 55 degrees, 62 tomorrow, 60 on Wednesday, 71 on Thursday, Friday will be 69. We're going to have rain from Wednesday all the way till next Sunday. So this is, uh, yeah. Uh, not great weather to start off your summer vacation if you're doing so. If you're going to wherever you want to go, some somewhere nice and warm, I would I would recommend doing that for the place that could be opened. I would recommend doing that because it's going to be 
rainy here in Urbandale. If you're up in Cedar Falls, it's pretty much doing the exact same thing, but rain only lasts till Saturday. So you have that to look forward to for that, but it just looks like it's cloudy all day, which doesn't look cloudy outside, but maybe it's just messed up somehow. I, I don't know. I don't know. And before, I know we're building up this big old reveal for The Last Dance episode 7 and 8, but we got to do our KBO update. And we had some games this past weekend. We didn't have any, we don't have any games today, which is very sad, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we don't have any games today, which is very, very sad. We did have a lot of games postponed on Saturday. LG vs. NC, SK vs. Lote, and KT vs. Doosan all got postponed on Saturday. But we still had some games going on. Samsung just took it to Kia on Saturday. 14-2 was the final. So as of right now, the score in that series is a whopping 19-2 in favor of the Samsung Lions. Just a dominating performance from Samsung. And they were down. They were down 2-0 going into the bottom of the fifth inning. Scored four runs. So now they're up 4-2. Then got one run in the seventh and exploded in the eighth inning. Getting nine runs in the eighth inning. It was 2-0 for <laughs> two, uh, two innings pretty much. And then Samsung just laid it in to Kia. Absolutely dominating performance from the Samsung lines. Didn't start the season off great, but have turned it back around. Kim Dong-yub, two hits, two runs, three RBIs in the game for him. And just, a, just again, a dominating game. 14 runs, 13 hits for the Lions. And a dominating performance, dominating series so far against Kia as we looked at Saturday. Could that have changed on Sunday? We'll have to see. And the other game on Saturday, Kiwoom versus Hanwha, 5-3 was the final score there. Moving on to Sunday, Kia just returned the favor. 12-3 <laughs> was the final. Kia destroying Samsung. Samsung was out to a 1-0 lead going into the top of the third. And then Kia put up three runs in the third, then five runs in the fourth. Put another run up in the sixth, and then put three up in the seventh to win 12-3. 15 hits. For Kia in this game, Kim So Bin, uh, three hits, three RBIs, three runs. Uh, Preston Tucker, five at bats, five hits, six RBIs, two runs. It's a dominating, but nice bounce back performance for Kia in this game against Samsung, and they needed it. You're getting last 19 to two in the series. You need a big time performance to get this thing somewhat close, and they did with a 12-3 lashing of Samsung. The LG Twins. With an upset over the NC Dinos, 10-8 was the final. NC Dinos went out to a 6-0 lead at the bottom of the first inning. Then LG tried to claw back, got one run in the second, got two runs in the fifth, then LG scored again. So as we're standing right at that moment, it is 7-3, okay, in favor of the NC Dinos. We go into the top of the eighth inning, the Twins lash in seven runs. In the eighth inning, NC couldn't respond. They didn't get another run until the ninth inning, and they only got one to lose their first game of the season, 10-8. to Choke artist, UK Nam, three hits, three RBIs in the game for the LG Twins. Roberto Ramos, two hits, two RBIs, and a walk 
in this game for the LG Twins. Huge upset for the Twins. The undefeated NC Dinos are no more. Twins get their second win of the season. Lote beat SK 4-0. Doosan Bears beat KT 13-12. And an exciting game that went to extra innings, went to the bottom of the 11th, and Doosan gets a run to put them over the top to get past a one-win KT team. The KT Wiz tried their hardest, got to a 3-0 lead early, but then Doosan clawed back, got to 10 runs until the top of the sixth. And he was 10-3, KT battled back, and then kept on battling, scored a run in the top of the 10th to put the pressure on Doosan. Doosan scored and then couldn't reciprocate it in the top of the 11th and lose 13 to 12. Doosan now 3 and 2 on the season. Jose Miguel Fernandez four hits, four RBIs in the games with two runs for him. Nice little win there from the Doosan Bears showing their resiliency by winning in extra innings. Kiwoon beat Hanwha in our final game 6 to 3. Again, Hanwha like a lot of games this series or a lot of games this season started off early Hanwa was up 3-0, and then Kiwoom scored five runs in the seventh inning, along with the run in the fifth inning, to win the game 6-3. And Hanwa had more hits than Kiwoom, who only had eight hits. 12-8 was the hit total in the game, but it didn't matter because Kiwoom got the most important thing above Hanwa, and that is the run scored. 6-3 was the final. We don't have any games today, or didn't have any games today, then we got games tomorrow. KT taking on the NC Dinos. Kia taking on Hanwha. Doosan taking on Lote. Samsung taking on Kiwoon. SK taking on the LG Twins. All games will be played at 4.30 tomorrow morning. So those will all be fun games. But it's very fun games this weekend. Some high scoring games. Samsung with 14 runs. KT on Friday scoring 12 runs. NC scoring 13 runs on Friday. Then you go on to Sunday. 12 runs scored by Kia, 10 by LG, 13 by Doosan. KT scored 12 in a loss, but still some high-scoring, fun baseball games to watch there. And you know who played a little bit of baseball? A lot of people, but also, most notably, Michael Jordan, which is what happened. Jordan retired. The big story from the last dance last night was the shocking retirement of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan walks away from the game of basketball after nine years with three championships under his belt, three Pete. The only reason, there was a story in there, he was talking to somebody, I can't remember what his name was, but he would have retired after the 1992 season. He wanted to retire after that season, but Magic and Bird never won three titles, so he had to go on and win the third one. Got it done, and then walked away from the game of basketball. And went on to play baseball for the Birmingham Barons, which is an affiliate of the Chicago White Sox, which I never understood. Which, thinking about it, I remember watching, like, seeing him playing for the Barons. And going like, well, why didn't he start off in the lower league? Like, Tim Tebow, when he switched to baseball, had to start off in the lower leagues. But then Jerry Reinsdorf said we could only control that we couldn't control the media if we put him down in the lower leagues. So we had to put him in double A. So that's why Michael Jordan played 
in double A for the Birmingham Barons, not starting in rookie ball or all the places like that. And Jordan looking at him just does not look like a baseball player at all. You see how skinny his legs are? He got some skinny legs. He is tall and lengthy. That is a He is built like a basketball player, which is why he's the greatest basketball player of all time. He's not a baseball player. Like Tim Tebow, he's built like a baseball player. He's built like a linebacker. He's got the thick legs that can drive through your swings. That's the most important, your base when you swing. You don't have any legs. Or you have legs, okay, whatever. But you don't have any power in your legs, you're not going to get a lot of hits or you're not going to get a lot of power on your hits. Which is why Tim Tebow's having a lot more success in the minor leagues than MJ did. And Tebow's having relative success in the minor leagues right now in the Mets for the Mets minor league affiliate. But yeah, shocking the world in retiring after nine years. You have athletes like Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, all retiring pretty much at the top. Those are those are football players, but retiring kind of out of nowhere. Like, man, this dude just dominated this game. Why is he retiring now? Shocking the world. Pretty much putting the world on halt much like COVID-19 right now, not for as long of a period of time, obviously, but Jordan, when he retired that the world stood still, it's like, what? Huh? And then the bulls led by Scottie Pippen went on to the Eastern conference finals, lost the New York Knicks. And then there was that big controversy that we saw on the TV last night in regards to Scottie Pippen who was not given the chance to take the last shot in the game. It was Tony Kukoc. He was taking the last shot as the game. Scotty was pissed and just quit, essentially, which sparked a lot of controversy on that in that time and sparked a lot of it now. There's a lot of people I saw on Twitter, man, how many of you have lost respect for, or lost some respect for Scotty Pippen? Scotty realized that right after the game started crying, him, Bill Cartwright, the team, crying after the game scotty quit on the team which is not great and i was watching um uh scott van pelt after the show because that scott van pelt's like monday night football he's always on right afterwards so you just go into the next thing and they had a girl they had a chick on there i don't remember what her name was but it's like what would michael jordan do if that was him what would michael jordan do if he wasn't given the last shot this is where i say all the time on the show i hate playing in hypotheticals because if it was michael jordan that wouldn't have happened because Michael Jordan would have taken the last shot. So there would have been no need for him to sit out because he would have taken the last shot. So you can't play in high. What if that was Michael Jordan? Well, it wouldn't have been because Michael Jordan would have been given the last shot. And if he didn't, he would have passed it to Steve Kerr, John Paxson, like he's done times before. So, yeah, you can't play high. Scotty Pippen is not Michael Jordan. It's obvious. Michael Jordan has said, when you talk about Michael Jordan, talk about Scottie Pippen, but they're not the same player. Scottie's a killer, but he don't have that extreme killer instinct that MJ had, which is why Tony Kukoc got the last shot. And he made a lot of clutch shots in his career for the Chicago Bulls, Tony Kukoc. Jordan wouldn't have quit on the team, though. That's the thing. I'm pretty confident in saying that he wouldn't have quit. on. Now you can go, oh, you retired in 93, quit on the team right there. His body was just done. Barry Sanders retired. Jim Brown retired. Calvin Johnson retired. Many athletes before like that have retired early. 
But Jordan was just done. That's not quitting on the team. That's retiring and just going, I want to do something else. I'm mentally and physically broken. I wanted to retire the season before, but I wanted to win a third title. Jordan wouldn't have done that. I'm just going to say that. We can play it. We can play in hypotheticals all you want. But that hypothetical don't make no sense because Jordan wouldn't have been in that situation because Jordan would have gotten the last shot. Phil would have never said, Tony Kukoc, you take the shot. I get where Scottie Pippen's frustrated. I understand completely why Scottie was frustrated. I, it's my team now. I should be getting the last shot. Perfectly understandable why he's upset. But Jordan would not have just sat there on the bench and done nothing. And a lot of people, including his teammates, were ticked off about that. And I was not surprised at all when Phil got a phone call from Michael Jordan talking about that was the least thing I was surprised about. So like, of course Jordan called Scotty or called Phil to talk to Scotty about that. Like you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't quit on the team with the last few seconds of the game just because you're not getting your way. That's not Scotty Pippen in a couple episodes of this has looked really good and really bad at the same time. You look at the, the cursing out of Jerry Krause this moment. And then you got the, he worked his way up from NAIA team manager to being the sixth overall draft pick in the NBA draft. So he's looked good and bad in this. But that one was not not a great look for Scotty in that one. But the Bulls, as I said, went to the Eastern Conference Finals, riding high off the three-peat. And then the next year, they were 34-31. and 31, Which we'll get to that in a little bit. Because something changed at that point. But along with Jordan retiring, this sparked a big controversy around the time of Jordan's dad's death. James Jordan's death in North Carolina. In Fayetteville, North Carolina, I think is where it said. James Jordan fell asleep in his car, got shot in the chest, and his body was later found in the river with his car pretty much destroyed. And then that started going off on is Jordan's gambling problem, is that the reason that his dad is now dead? And Jordan, like most realistic people or most rational people, would get very ticked off at the fact of their getting blamed for their dad's death that didn't have anything to do with it. Like they said, it could have been any of them. It could have been anybody sitting out there. Or if they knew it was Jeffrey Jordan, James Jordan, Jeffrey Jordan's Jordan, Michael Jordan's kid. I'm getting all the Jordans mixed around here. Shot in the chest, it's just a, I mean, like they, they said this on the documentary last night, it was a very dark period for the media at that point in time. Very, very dark moment in the times of the media because of what they were writing about Michael Jordan at that time. And again, most people, like Michael Jordan, were pissed off, or would have been pissed off if that was written about them right after their dad just died, just got murdered died and murdered have a different connotation like you could die from can't which is sad but then you go and murder and you're getting blamed for your dad's murder that's not something that you would take very lightly and james jordan always had a dream of michael playing baseball who hadn't played baseball since he was 17 years old and now is going to try and play baseball in the minor leagues which we touched on a little bit ago go and play for the birmingham barons Jordan at 202, drove in 50-something runs. But, yeah, again, wasn't seen like a very big success like it was, or 
well, 202 is not a great batting average by any stretch of the imagination at all. I mean, it's good for, <laughs> it's about Bryce Harper's midway batting average. So, and he's a star of the MLB. So we can go with that or Joey Gallo or something. That's Joey Gallo numbers right there. Different number of RBIs, but yeah, they got the cover of Sports Illustrated. Jordan, last time he's talked to Sports Illustrated was because of that. They wrote an article about it, didn't even talk to him about it. Just wrote it and published it. Jordan obviously pissed about that. So there's a lot of things that are pissing off Michael Jordan at this point, which is, as history has shown, and as this documentary has very much shown, don't piss off Michael Jordan. And that's what these papers, these people, these papers are doing, pissing off the greatest basketball player of all time. And then as you get to the end of the episode seven, you get the emotional side of Michael Jordan where he just cuts the cameras off. And I think that should have been the end of the last dance. That ending that they put at the end of episode seven would have been the perfect send off for the entire series. That was a great send off. Jordan tearing up and then everyone wanted to ask for a break. Talking about his teammates, tearing up a little bit, getting all emotional. That's what you wanted to see at the end of the series, but great ending episode seven and eight. I'll say this before I get into seven or episode eight were my two favorite episodes of the series by far easily my two favorite episodes, but the end of episode seven was awesome. The end of episode eight was emotional as well. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. So right now we're going to start talking about the start of episode eight. So we're going to talk about the end of it in a little bit, but we got to go through the entire episode first. So episode eight, the I'm back episode. Jordan is back. He does a little practice with BJ Armstrong and I'm back. Now I'm doing this the day after and my memory's a little foggy from it, but I'm back. That happened in March and it's kind of, it's kind of a side story or not kind of, it is a side story. So it happened in March on Monday towards the end of March uh, on press row the show I used to work at tweeted out something. We got some big news coming for you at when the show starts today. And I was like, okay, I'll rock the Michael Jordan Jersey day. We got news. I'm back news was just a couple days ago. I'm going to rock the Jordan Jersey. I get to the office and it's not the news. I was really expecting to be honest. Something a little bit different <laughs> than what I was. It's really, it's a little bit of the opposite of I'm back. And more of the I'm retiring thing, or I'm done, or I'm canceled, whatever you want to call it. But I rocked the Jordan jersey that day because I thought it was going to be good news. I was completely in the dark of it until an hour before the show started. But I wore the jersey. The I'm back thing is one of the most legendary quotes of all time. It's just two words. I'm back. And I love that. I love that. And also around the time he's making Space Jam. And speaking of on press row, John Leo has never seen Space Jam. And a lot of people around that office had never seen Space Jam. And that was one of the most disappointing things I've ever heard in my entire life. It made me so sad. How have you not seen Space Jam? How is that possible? How, have, how, have there, how are there people that live on this earth that have never seen Space Jam? New one. We talked about that one last week, I think. is coming out in 2021. But how have you never seen Space Jam? Space Jam, one of the greatest movies of all time. I love Space Jam. Bugs Bunny, Lola Bunny, Charles Barkley, Muggsy Bowes, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley. 
Larry Johnson. Like, you got all these people. Michael Jordan. You got all these Looney Tunes. You got all the basketball players. You got the Monstars. I want to love that movie. So as he's filming Space Jam, he's starting to come back to, starting to get ready to come back to the NBA. And then you get the practices that he did on Space Jam. So he's starting to, he's coming back off season. Well, actually, wait a minute. Was this before? Oh, well, God, we're just going to break this up because I got, I got this bullet pointed a little bit differently than what it actually went. So he's doing all these practices, getting a good glimpse at players in this like Space Jam practice facility that they built him because he's trying to come back and get his practice in as he's coming back. And yeah, you have all these NBA. I want to see the film of those practices. Why are those? Why do we only see snippets of that? I was really happy when we saw the 1992 Dream Team scrimmage, greatest scrimmage of all time. But I want to see the stuff from that scrimmage as well. What were the scores? What was t- what was said? Because he had the likes of Reggie Miller, Ewing, Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, um, Jawan Howard was there. See, so like you got all these players. I want to see what the scores were in that game. Now, obviously, not the same level of players of the '92 Dream Team, but still great players, nonetheless. But that that was crazy. Like you have you're filming a movie, and then you, they built you this practice facility. This bubble dome so you could get more in shape for basketball. Get ready to come back. And you got the big dome. It's freaking sweet. I would love that. Like, I would want that. It's like the, I didn't mention this with the Birmingham Barons, but like the upgrade in buses things got. Because he didn't want to fly separately from the team. He just wanted to be one of the guys. So they got all new buses for the Birmingham Barons. Whatever Michael Jordan wants, Michael Jordan gets. (laughs) To a certain extent, obviously. But as we're getting back into playing mode, had to talk about Space Jam. Love Space Jam. If you haven't seen Space Jam, you have to watch it. There's not you have to watch Space Jam. That should be a law. You've had to see Space Jam at least one time in your life, or a thousand times like I have. But as we're in basketball mode now, you got the Bulls versus the Hornets. BJ Armstrong. Former Iowa Hawkeye, former Chicago Bulls all-star point guard, is now playing with the Hornets, who had the ugliest court of all time there. The Hornets, B.J. Armstrong makes a shot and looks at everybody. He's like, I'm yelling at Scotty, I'm yelling at Michael, I'm yelling at Phil, I'm yelling at everybody. Bulls come back, win the series. You cannot take off Michael Jordan. B.J. should have known that better than anybody, because he said that going in. It's like, I knew what they were going to do. I knew what they would play. I knew the different players that they had. I knew how to defend them. You knew all that. I love B.J. Armstrong. Everybody loves B.J. Armstrong. Then you would have known not to piss off Michael Jordan. (laughs) As we said at the start of the thing, don't piss off Michael Jordan. It's like, don't piss off Tom Brady. That's not what you want to do. Because every time, that always backfires on the people that piss that player off. This case it was B.J. Armstrong, so the Hornets ended up losing that series. And then this brought up a big moment from, I think it was David Aldridge brought this up. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but I think it was David Aldridge brought this up. It was the LeBradford-Smith story. 
So, LeBradford Smith, you may not have heard of this guy before, and I don't blame you if you haven't. Played for the Washington Wizards at the time, or the Washington Bullets. I can't remember what they were called. They were Washington. They had the red, white, and blue uniforms on. LeBradford Smith dropped 37 points in Chicago. This is the this is a situation of don't piss off Michael Jordan. If you don't even piss off Michael Jordan, he's going to use stuff that you didn't say as motivation for himself. He'll make up scenarios in his head to get motivated. And LeBradford Smith dropped 37 points, and reports were he said, good game, Mike, after the game. That ticked off Jordan. So Jordan told his teammates, I'm going to score what this dude had in the game in the first half. Jordan dropped 36 points in the first half because they played Washington the next day or the next couple days or whatever. It was a home and away series. So they were like, right after they played Washington at home, they went to Washington to play them there. Jordan dropped 36 at half and the Bulls won the game. And it was funny because that quote was widely reported and then asking Jordan about it later, they're like, he said, nope, never have been laughing about it. Because Michael Jordan doesn't need you to actually motivate. All he needs is something tiny. And he'll it doesn't even need to be real. <laughs> he'll construct things in his head to motivate himself to kill you in the next game. That's what the killer instinct is. Using any form of motivation to embarrass you the next game. That's what he did to LeBradford Smith. Absolutely dominated him. 36 points at half in the next game. Bulls won the game. And then with the Hornets, with LeBradford Smith, it was the Orlando Magic next. And again, don't mo- don't piss off Jordan. The Bulls were not in good form that season. Again, 34-31 and 31 was their record. They were not very good. Around 500, they were struggling. Jordan comes back. Then they start to get some rhythm. But Jordan's still rusty. He hasn't played baseball forever, or he hasn't played basketball forever, and he's been training as a baseball player. And they warned him about this when they played baseball. If you ever want to come back, baseball is going to ruin your basketball workout. Like, workouts are completely different. Your basketball body is going to be changed because of baseball. Jordan said, don't matter. I want to do this. Jordan comes back. He's not in the best shape ever, obviously. He hasn't played in a while, but still has that greatness inside of him. Drop 55 at the Garden wearing 45. And then they're playing the Magic in the Eastern Conference Finals. And Nick Anderson steals the ball from Jordan. And the Magic win the game against the Chicago Bulls. End up winning the series. But before that, Nick Anderson goes 45, ain't no 23. Next game, Jordan comes out rocking number 23. (laughs) That is one of my favorite stories of all time. I've known this story for years because i think they mentioned in the magic documentary with penny and shack i can't remember if it was a third i think it was a 30 for 30 about the 20 45 8 no 23 magic won the series but that pissed off jordan for the next year and he took all of his anger out and the motivation from that one game and used it to win the most games in nba history bulls next year went 72 and 10 just because they lost the magic they lost the eastern they lost in the eastern conference finals to the magic jordan literally shit literally said we were shit he literally said they lost in the eastern conference finals it's not like they didn't even make the playoffs that's that mentality again 
It is like we were terrible. Lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. Motivation from that, with Horace Grant getting carried off the court, with Nick Anderson saying 45 ain't no 23, the Bulls won 72 games that season. Breaking an NBA record, and then wore the shirts, ain't no thing without the ring. And they ended up beating the Seattle Supersonics 4-2 in the finals to win championship number four. And I brought this up last night with my sister because she was like, is that still an NBA record? And I was like, well, technically no. For wins, the Warriors had 73 wins in this season. But again, don't mean a thing without the ring. Warriors lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in that finals, blowing a 3-1 lead while at it. In all time, the Bulls, including the playoffs, had more wins than the Golden State Warriors that season. Ain't no thing without the ring. Gary Payton, legendary Supersonics point guard, came out and said, I should have trash-talked Jordan earlier because I think we would have had him. And Jordan was like, no, he, I had no problem with the glove. I had some other things on my mind. And this would be so hard to do. So, growing up and playing basketball, playing sports, playing in the NBA, playing wherever, North Carolina, Jordan's dad, James Jordan was always there. Every picture you can find of Jordan holding the trophy, James Jordan is right there. James and his mom, the Jordans, Michael Jordan's parents, are the reasons he went with Nike. If not, he wanted to go to Adidas. He didn't want to go to Nike. But every picture of him winning a championship, Jordan's dad's right there. So when a game comes up on Father's Day, the first finals your dad's never watched you in, that's an emotional time. And you're thinking about that going in. Bulls ended up winning the finals, and Jordan just breaks down in the locker room. Which I don't blame. I think everybody would. Your dad's always there for you, watching the NBA finals, watching you in the championship game. Watching every game you've ever been in, being your biggest supporter, and then he's not there to watch you win another championship on Father's Day. It's a very emotional time for everybody. For Jordan, for if that was anybody, that'd be a terrible, like, it'd be a great feeling and a terrible feeling at the same time, which is why Jordan broke down. This is what we saw the most human side of Michael Jordan in these two episodes that I think anybody has since that game. Because you saw the emotion from Michael Jordan, which you'd never seen before. People my age didn't really know Michael Jordan that much. Michael Jordan retired when I was less than a year old. For the second time, for the second time, not the third time. He retired in 98. I was born in November 97. So I was less than a year old when he retired. So we don't really know a lot about Michael Jordan. We're rolling off the recency thing with the people that go, LeBron's the great. It's all about recency. Recency bias. It's a real thing. But if you listen to what the NBA players say, the players that played with Jordan, even NBA players now, Jordan, Michael Jordan is the GOAT. If you watched Michael Jordan, he is the GOAT. But if you're my age you're probably in the camp that LeBron James is the GOAT because it's recency bias. But the players, Jordan never said he was the greatest, from my knowledge. 
but the players around him, the players that played with him, against him, players now that are old enough to watch him considered him the GOAT. And he still is. And we saw the emotional side of Michael Jordan, which a lot of people my age have never seen before. And that was very cool at the end of it. Both this Episode 7 and 8 were my two favorite episodes. And I was picturing this when he was talking at the end of Episode 7 with all like Will Perdue, Judd Butchler, Buchler, Steve Kerr who got punched in the face by Jordan. I was trying to picture Michael Jordan and how he would react with Kyle Kuzma or Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant gets upset and little gets his panties all tied up in a knot over someone tweeting at him. Jordan would kill these people in today's NBA. Shaq said Jordan would drop 45 in today's NBA. Jordan would, and he'd kill you doing it. Out of mentality-wise, Jimmy Butler's the closest thing we have to Michael Jordan mentality-wise in the NBA. Which is why he got run out of Minnesota. Because he got some sensitive little players in Minnesota. So I got run out of Philadelphia. Because he had sensitive players in Philly. Now he's in Miami with people that have that same mindset. Had some of that in Chicago, but still got some people upset in Chicago. That got Jimmy Butler pushed around the league for having that mentality. He wanted to go work out with the second unit so he could beat Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota. That's the mentality. And they, you see how he got pushed around the league because players didn't want to play with him anymore. You know, Jordan would kill these players. He killed Kwame Brown's career. <laughs> he destroyed Kwame Brown's career before it started because Kwame Brown couldn't handle it. Dwight Howard could, probably couldn't handle it. Or not probably, he couldn't even handle Kobe. That ruined his career. Kobe called him soft and it ruined the entirety of his career. Like, Jordan would mentally kill people in today's NBA. This NBA is soft, and everybody knows that. You got the flopping of Marcus Smart and a lot of different players in the league. You didn't have that back then. You have the no contact, otherwise it's a foul. Even no fouls are fouls now. You have people like Kyle Kuzma that are more focused on what they're doing on Instagram than what they're doing on the actual basketball court. There's a lot of what players are doing now. If Jordan got put in today's NBA with the same mentality that he has now, he would still be the greatest player of all time. And he's even the greatest player of all time if we don't do that. Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time who had the killer instinct that would murder every single player in the end. I don't know who, I think Jimmy Butler might be the only player mentally that could keep up with Michael Jordan. I'm not, Jimmy Butler's nowhere as good the player of Michael Jordan, but he has that mentality, which has seen him get kicked out of Minnesota and Philly because of Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Cat, Andrew Wiggins. Like, he would just beat them up mentally. What would Jordan do if that's what Jimmy Butler's doing? So with Jordan, like I've said, if you threw him in today's NBA, no doubt in my mind he'd still be the greatest player of all time. It's not even close. So I thought it'd be fun. And I saw Colin Coward do this the other day on Twitter. And this is kind of funny. Colin Coward, for like, I don't know, the past three or four years, has been the biggest LeBron. You can go back and listen to old shows of him talking about why LeBron's the greatest player ever. Since his documentary's come out, now Jordan moved up to his number one player. I've never changed my list. 
my list has pretty much stayed the same for the top three. Now, four and five, there's a little bit of, you can talk about whoever you want to throw in there, but four, three, one, two, three are locks for me. And I think they should be locks on everybody's list. I think it's Michael, LeBron, and Kareem. I think that's, I don't have, I'm not changing that at any time soon. That is what my top three will be for the foreseeable future. Kareem's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He has to be thrown up there in the top three players of all time. It's not even close. Those are the top three. And then I would put, like, on this list, I have Wilt Chamberlain number four and then Magic at number five. I almost flipped Magic and Wilt Chamberlain. I almost threw Bill Russell in there. Shaq could get a throw in there. Larry Bird could get a throw in there. But I think that is my top five. Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Wilt, and Magic. I think it's funny. All I need to do is say one part of their name, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Michael, LeBron, Kareem, Wilt, Magic. You know who I'm talking about. So, yeah, that's my top five players of all time. And I'm not figuring on change. I'm not thinking of changing the top three anytime soon. Four and five could change whenever. But Jordan, people always say if they threw Jordan in today's NBA, he wouldn't be the best. No, Jordan would kill everybody in today's NBA. There's no one that has that mentality close to Jordan except for Jimmy Butler. And he's not the same player as Jordan, obviously. But mentality-wise, they're very, very, very similar. Jordan would kill everybody in today's NBA. People more focused on Instagram and Twitter and social media playing on Twitch. It's, come on, don't even play with me like that. You can't even, it's not even a contest, really. I mean, let's do, let's do, (laughs) I just got to laugh about it. But this is the last, these were, that was the second to last week of the last dance. And it makes me sad. This next Sunday is the last, last dance we will be getting. Episodes nine and 10. And they have been fantastic so far. And as I said at the beginning, seven and eight were my two favorite episodes. But I love this documentary series. I love it, and I'm, I'm very upset that it's going to be over this week, or next week. Well, I guess it is still this Well, however you look at it. Six days from now, Last Dance will be over, and it makes me sad. But ESPN is rumored to throwing up a Sammy Sosa versus Mark McGuire 30 for 30, which I will watch every second of that as well. Sammy Sosa was my favorite player growing up. Even my first baseball jersey I ever had was a Sammy Sosa Cubs jersey. My nickname playing baseball for the Johnson Little League was Sammy Sosa. Because I could rake I could rake the baseball everywhere. I was so good. And then I clocked some kid in the face and stopped swinging. Because baseball is an incredibly mental sport. And I mentally checked out because I couldn't I couldn't swing the baseball. I heard a kid, I smacked him in the face, just couldn't couldn't play anymore. I was arguably better at baseball than I was in any other sport. But I couldn't swing that couldn't swing the baseball bat. Oh, Logan, that's so hard for you to do. It's better You're so good at it. Yeah, shut up. But yeah. <sighs> Last dance. Sad. Sad that it's almost over. But we'll look at it. We'll be happy because it happened. Don't be sad because it's over. Be happy because it happened. And with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. We got some NFL news to talk about. And we're going to rank the top five quarterbacks. I saw this on ESPN, but it was ESPN, uh, what is it? 
ESPN Insider or ESPN Plus, I can't remember what they call it now, but ESPN Insider, one of those things, had a list of the top five quarterbacks from like 2020, 2021. I didn't see the list, so I don't know what their list is. I just stole the idea. I don't know what they're listed, but this is my list comparing quarterbacks from last year or this past draft to next year's draft and ranking them one through five. And if we have enough time in today's show, I'm going to do a quarterback bracket. I remember what we did with the uniform bracket a few weeks ago. We're going to do a quarterback bracket for the NFL. And this is what going off of day one starters in the NFL. So we're not putting like, because Tua is not going to start. Justin Herbert's not going to start. Jordan Love's not going to start. So those guys will not appear on the list. So we'll have that bracket coming up for you if we have enough time to do that. But with that being said, let's take a quick break. And I'll be back here on the Basement Podcast in a little bit. Welcome back, everybody, to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. I hope you all, again, are having a great Monday or whatever day you are listening to the show. We still got a little bit more stuff to talk about today. We got a little bit over an hour left in today's edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We just talked about the last dance going in on Michael Jordan on episode 7. Two, my two favorite episodes so far in the last dance have been episode 7 and 8. I have loved those two episodes i was emotionally involved i was hype involved like I, that's a weird way to say that but i was excited to watch it it was just a fun it was just a fun show to watch a very very fun fun very fun two episodes to watch and as a reminder this next sunday will be the last sunday of the last dance ever no more last dance after this it's all done all done after this it's sad and I don't like it. It makes me upset. And I don't know if I'm ready to go without it. Uh, well, but we'll move on to Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa stuff. So, and actually, hopefully, sports come back. And Bundesliga football, or Bundesliga soccer, whatever you want to call it, is coming back on the 15th. So, we are getting closer to live sports as we speak. The Premier League said a little bit ago they will not void the season. So, there will be Premier League action at some point this year i don't know when but at some point this makes me kind of happy and kind of sad at the same time because as if we were sitting here right now the season would be over right now we'd be crowning a champion in all the leagues throughout throughout oh geez throughout europe i had that sprite ginger stuff and it's just coming up. i chugged it before i came back i don't know why i did that because it's not very smart to chug anything when you're doing a radio show and talking very fast because you're you're breathing a lot and that sucking it in. I, I, and it just kind of, I don't know science, I guess, but right now we would be crowning a champion, probably more than likely Liverpool and the Premier league. But we, again, like I said, a few weeks ago, you can't crown them yet because there's certain teams that are still needing games to be played. So you can't crown them yet. It might be a formality that they've won the league, but you can't crown them yet. Can't end the season. Now you can't do that. It's not good for all the teams involved. It might be good for Liverpool, but for teams that have played one less game than somebody in that one game could see them go from relegation to staying in the top flight, that's big. So you can't just end the season now and go, yeah, Liverpool, you're just getting the league title. That's not how it works. It's not what we're doing. Now, I'm interested to see how this, if whenever the leagues start up, if, or not if, how this will affect the upcoming seasons. Because if you know, the Premier League usually starts around August. Start Not usually, it does start in August. 
Then you got the NHL starting in like when what would you say the September, October, around there. Baseball's not even started yet, so we'll see how long that season will go. With the shortened season, I did read an update yesterday that the NL is thinking of adopting DHs for the shortened season, which would be interesting. Be very, very interesting. That made me even more mad that the Cubs didn't move for an outfielder, so they could just put Kyle Schwarber at DH or sign Nolan Arenado or trade, not sign, trade for Nolan Arenado like I told him to do forever. Move Chris Bryant to the outfield. If the NL gets a DH, Kyle Schwarber is going to be like David Ortiz. <laughs> He's never going to play another field position again. He's going to be a permanent DH for the Chicago Cubs. Which is where he'd go, if he went to any other team, he'd be a DH anyway. So, but he is going to be the DH for the Chicago Cubs when that comes around. And then I hope the Cubs get somebody to fill that hole either in free agency or in trade market or whatever. I wanted them to get after Whit Merrifield and Nolan Arenado. Who'd they sign? Nobody. So that's the disappointment of running a team from a radio show station or radio office in Cedar Falls, Iowa, because the team doesn't really give a crap about what you say. <laughs> yeah. That's the bad part about that. But it's always fun to speculate. But let's get to what we we're really talking about. Now, the NFL, so far, as we have seen, does not seem to be affected by COVID-19. Other than, like, the draft, obviously, but I'm talking about the season, has not been that affected by COVID-19 as of right now. Now they could change can very much change like that we live in a very unpredictable world unpredictable things happen all the time to everybody every day things you didn't expect to happen because no one can see in the future and if they can they're hiding it pretty well because i would like to know what the future holds for a lot of things but as of right now the nfl season doesn't seem to be affected college football looks more so to be affected than the nfl so we'll have to see how all that shakes out and how that affects next year but yeah, right now the NFL looks fine. As of right now, they're doing virtual virtual practices. They did a virtual draft, doing all that stuff. Schedules were released last Thursday. So we've, yeah, looking good so far, I guess. But one thing that I think somebody out there will wish that it did change or something did happen in the NFL season is... Um, Commissioner Roger Goodell. And I will explain this. So the NFL had, did a thing to help put give money to COVID-19 efforts. COVID-19, against COVID-19 efforts. COVID-19 fighting efforts, not for COVID-19. So they did a thing where they did an auction and you could bet on, or place bids on getting a night to spend with the commissioner and watch Monday night football from his basement. So that is what has been talked about. That's what they brought it up. And there's been somebody that's been bidding a lot, even bidding against himself for this. Cause he wanted it that bad. And that is not surprisingly <laughs> Barstool president, Dave Portnoy, El Presidente, El Prez, Stool Presidente, whatever you want to call him. Dave Portnoy. This is this is going to be awesome. He said he's going to be a walking GoPro throughout this thing. So I hope it happens. The NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, is going to have to deal 
with <laughs> probably the person that he dislikes more than anybody, which will make for an excellent time. Now we'll see if the commissioner actually does this, because I don't think he'd really want to be sitting in the same room as the guy that made the Roger Goodell clown shirts, that made him a laughingstock around a lot of fan bases, but most notably, the fan base that Dave Portnoy calls home, and that's the New England Patriots. They're not huge fans of Roger Goodell. And Portnoy and Barstool, they've ex- they, I've watched the Barstool documentary series that they've done, the mini-doc series they've done on YouTube, the Patriots love what the what Barstool's been doing because they're an organization. They can't really go out and say certain things because they'll be affected by that. Portnoy and the Barstool group can just do whatever. They're speaking for the Patriots, speaking for a lot of people. But Goodell, I don't think, would really like that because the clown shirt is something that has been very uh, public for a few years now. I don't think he liked that. And Jay Portnoy did, uh, like emergency press conference type thing of (laughs) talking about how he won the bid, won the auction. And um, in the video that Portnoy does, Dave Portnoy does these videos quite a bit, or not uh, every once in a while. No, I shouldn't say quite a bit. He does them every once in a while, replaces his phone down or computer and loads it up and then does a little video and posts on Twitter. So last night he did one talking about the Monday night football auction, watching with the commissioner and in the video, he's rocking the Roger Goodell shirt with the clown nose. I think if I just said Roger Goodell shirt, everybody out there listening would know what that shirt is. And a hat that reads Fire Goodell. I don't think this could have gone worse for Roger Goodell if he tried. <laughs> Roger Goodell, of course, has not said anything yet in regards to the whole situation. We'll check on that in a little bit. But this is exactly what Roger probably did not want. But... Dave did it for a good cause. He was betting against himself, so he's he gave the money to the COVID-19 research funds and gave a lot of money, $250,000, quarter milli, for the chance to watch Monday Night Football with the commissioner. He got the email last night and says, Congratulations, you are the winning bidder of an item of an NFL auction. Your purchase details as follows. Product name Monday Night Football with the commissioner in his fan cave plus two tickets to any regular season game. Now, the commissioner has been very public about Barstool at regular season NFL games, and so much so that Portnoy, when he wears jerseys around the office, you see some with his, with Packers, there was a a video he had, and where they did the Barstool Sports Report, and they were doing something, they were doing a skit for it, or not a skit, but wearing a costume where he had a Packers jersey on with the logo covered and everything. Now he's got it. Now the commissioner has got to welcome him into his house and watch football with him. How that's going to go. I have no idea. Again, the commissioner has not said anything about this situation. He hasn't tweeted anything since April 23rd. So it's been, he's been pretty quiet on Twitter and um, I don't know when that's gonna, when he's gonna respond to anything. If he's gonna respond to anything, what if he just cancels the entire thing, which is something that could be a very real possibility, or he just straight up doesn't allow the thing to happen, which is which would be sad, and would spark even more hatred for Roger Goodell. So I think Roger Goodell is in a weird situation right now, where for him, I did. 
I don't know if it's a win. I don't know if it's a lose-lose or a lose-win. He can't win, pretty much. The person that he probably wanted least to win this auction won it. And if he says no, people will hate him even more than what they already do. I think he gained a little bit more fans because of the NFL draft with him sitting in his comfy chair and making fun of himself. I think he gained more fans doing that. But if he canceled this, all those fans will just leave immediately as fast as they came in and hate on him even more. Because that would be a terrible look, too. You give this product away or give this opportunity, someone wins it, and you just say, no, I don't want to do it anymore. Which some people might go, yeah, I don't blame him because him and Portnoy aren't on the best terms. But we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. I want this videotaped. I want this to be everywhere. I want to watch this. He said he's going to be a walking GoPro pretty much. Portnoy did. So I hope there, there's a chance we get to see this thing. I just, I just want to know what happens. If it'll be, If it'll be good, that's great. If it'll be bad... That might also be great because he'll make for a funny afternoon. I just hope he doesn't... I asked my dad this last night. Do you think he'll wear the the clown nose shirt or the fire Goodell hat to this? My dad said no. I was like, I don't... He might. <laughs> he just very well might. That shirt's made rounds everywhere. That shirt's made the rounds everywhere, especially in Boston. But I think a few years ago... I don't, it looked like the top of it, but I'm not sure. Same color scheme and everything, but I don't know. I didn't see the actual shirt, but Sean Payton had a Roger Goodell clown shirt. At least it looked like it under his jacket. So it's made rounds into the NFL. Not just fans, but organizations, teams, coaches, whatever. It's made the rounds. This will be very, very fun. (laughs) I am very excited to when, when this happens. I am very excited. I'm very, very excited to see when this goes down. And another thing I'm very excited to see what goes down is something that hasn't really, that kind of got big for a little bit and then kind of dropped off. Like, or the person that tweeted the thing kind of stopped saying anything about this as soon as other things came about. So it was Deshaun Watson and so it was uh who was the original tweet it start i'm trying to load this up so it was feinstein or feinstein what is his name feinstein books jeff feinstein i don't the tweet's unavailable so I, he must have deleted it so doug gottlieb who loves getting made fun of in the national media anyways who loves getting owned by everybody out there makes stupid quotes all the time like the george kittle is not elite blocker even though he might be the best run blocker in the entire nfl but uh yeah he's not a very good blocker very good quote from doug gottlieb there so gottlieb pretty much said well like why trubisky was drafted above deshaun watson uh feinstein's tweet pretty much read along the lines that um if if um watson or mahomes were white would they have been drafted above trubisky and the guy basically said yeah but I don't remember what the quote was. I think it was with Doug Williams is what he was talking to or something like that. I don't know if it's the Doug Williams, the former quarterback of the Washington Redskins, but Doug Williams was, didn't have any pictures or anything, so I don't know if it was that Doug Williams or not. Could have been some other Doug Williams out there because it's not a very uncommon name, Doug Williams. But, yeah. Which is, it gets, it's going to get talked about throughout the rest of the NFL history. 
why would the Bears pass on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes for Trubisky? And again, hindsight's awesome. I talk about how much I love hindsight all the time. So at the time, that was sarcasm, by the way, if you didn't pick that up. At the time, Trubisky was seen as the more pro-ready prospect because at the time, teams weren't really running a lot as much spread offenses. We didn't see that come until recently. A lot of under center stuff. Trubisky ran that offense more in North Carolina than Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes did at Clemson and Texas Tech. So there's a check for Trubisky. Check number two, Watson was coming in. Both of them are actually coming in with a pretty decent injury history or pretty good injury history. With Watson coming off an ACL tear, Mahomes was injured as well. I can't remember what his injury was. Was his ankle or wrist? I can't remember exactly. But they were both coming in with a little bit of injury worries. Trubisky was not. Trubisky was not coming in with injury worries. Watson, yes, was coming. He came second in the Heisman, I think, and won a national championship. But the injury history was big. I personally would have taken Deshaun Watson before any of them. At that time, if I was a GM, I would have taken Deshaun Watson. But that, again, looking at hindsight, I would so take Patrick Mahomes. But injury history caused Watson to drop. Because Mahomes at the time was a better quarterback than Watson, or than Trubisky and Mahomes, and both of them went before Watson. So then you got Mahomes in here, who was seen as a very erratic quarterback that would make really dumb decisions from time to time, much like Jordan Love now. To a lesser extent, Mahomes coming out of college and Jordan Love, which is why Mahomes got drafted 10th, Jordan Love got drafted 26th. But still made a lot of mistakes. Trubisky didn't make a lot of mistakes in college. And then you can go, well, he only played one year, which is another knock there. And then you can play the hindsight game. Would Mahomes or Watson be the same quarterback that they are now in Chicago system once Trubisky got drafted? They have talent. This is where you can't deny talent. Talent precedes generations. If you have talent, you can play in any era. You have talent, you can play in any era. But playing in certain systems makes talent grow faster than talent that is not playing in said system if Mahomes was in the Bears system he would have been still because he's very talented but would he have been better learning from Mike Glennon or Alex Smith would he have been better learning from John Fox or Andy Reid would he have been learned better from whatever receivers the Bears had at that time because I honestly can't remember if they even had Allen Robinson at that time or they got got him two years ago I can't remember but whoever the Bears had with Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. Which one would you rather have? Because I don't think it's I think it's pretty obvious here. Deshaun Watson was not in a good situation in Houston because he had 21 Tom Savage there. Tom 21 Savage and Bill O'Brien. But you had DeAndre Hopkins there. Which made for easy development for wide receivers. Offensive line was trash, but. Mahomes and Watson got put in better situations than Trubisky did. But their talent is much more than Trubisky. But again, would they... they, Okay, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. So yeah, at the time, Trubisky was seen as the better quarterback prospect. So it wasn't like the Bears just completely whipped. There was a consensus take. Kuyper, Dale Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, all the big names in draft scouting had Trubisky above those two quarterbacks. So at the time, it didn't seem that crazy. 
It seemed what crazy part was that he was drafted second and that the Bears traded up to get him. That was the crazy part. The fact that he went before Mahomes and Watson is not the crazy part. It's the fact that he went number two <laughs> with Mahomes and Watson, two of the top five quarterbacks in the league, arguably right now. Was taking at 10 and 12. So the tweet basically goes, if so yeah, Doug Gottlieb, this beyond idiotic, talking to Feinstein book. What is his name? John Feinstein. Authored 36 books. And then he said, Bears evaluated them all and missed. And then Deshaun Watson tweets out that the Bears never once, in all caps, never once talked to me with two periods at the end. So then I have one of my close friends, Spencer, is a lifelong Bears fan. And the Bears get a lot of hate in the media. A lot of hate. Probably more than any team in the NFL. Most of the time for this. We got double doink. You got that. You got the Jay Cutler. So we'll talk about Jay Cutler in a little bit because his stuff is awesome. Jay Cutler's getting more fans now than he ever had in the NFL. So Watson said the Bears never once talked to me. And then a little bit later, you see a tweet. The Bears speak to Deshaun Watson in 2017 on an interview with Rich Eisen. Deshaun Watson said he did talk to the Bears. And then people go, talking to them is not the same as that bringing him in. That's beside the point because Deshaun Watson said never once talked to me. You talk on the phone. If you don't, then why'd you call him? Now, there's other people going, you're just trying to build a market for himself by just saying other teams are interested in him than what they actually are. Because he seemed more confident in the tweet than he did in the interview with Rich Eisen. With the all caps part. He wasn't didn't seem that confident talking about it with Rich Eisen. You can go watch the interview. David Prince tweeted it. You can go search it on Twitter. It'll pop up probably. And then a little bit later, another thing came around with all these different things that the Bears said. So you have the Rich Eisen show. Sean Watson said he visited KC, Cleveland, Jacksonville, 49ers, Cardinals, Texans, Jets, Bills. Spoke to the Bears, Ravens, Chargers on the phone. Then you got a next one. Bears sent Cavalcade, Cal, Cavalcade to <laughs> take closer look at Clemson QB Deshaun Watson. Then you have Bears coach John Fox, who could would, who could consider drafting Deshaun Watson, spending a lot of time alongside Dabo Sweeney today. That was at Clemson's Pro Day. And then Jeff Dickerson from ESPN on March 24th. College Pro Days are in full swing, and the Bears sent the kitchen sink to quarterback Deshaun Watson's workout at Clemson. The only Chicago Bears representative missing, it seemed, were team chairman George McCaskey and Staley, the mascot. The Bears' presence at North Carolina Mitch Trubisky's Pro Day consists of Bears' top scouts, but not Ryan Pace, John Fox, offense coordinator Dowell Loggins, or quarterback's coach Dave Ragone, Ragony, I don't know how to say his name, which leads us to today's mailbag. Uh, I've witnessed the Bears be all over a guy at a pro day and not draft him. I've also seen the Bears skip pro days and then taking trade and end up taking the guy. There are plenty of settings in which teams that can collect information on players in college all-star games, the combine pro days and private workouts, plus the college scouts have monitored these players for years too. So, <coughs> geez, the, they sent everybody to Deshaun Watson's. <coughs> geez, that was a weird cough. I don't know what that was. But uh, to say they never talked to him, because this guy right here, talking to them on the phone, is not the same, in all caps, as bringing him in for an interview. <coughs> and the thing right below it, he literally said they'd never talked to him. So that's another thing, which 
you could look at that as Deshaun Watson's lying there. You could also look at it as the Bears are even less competent than what we already figured they were. <laughs> the Bears said everybody still didn't draft him. Personally, I said this numerous times. I would have taken Deshaun Watson. But it was I surprised that Trubisky was taken before him. Not at the time, no. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look at it now, obviously Mahomes should have gone the, been the first quarterback off the board. Obviously. But looking back at it at the time, Trubisky, that was not seen as a giant, oh my God, they actually did that? Wasn't seen that crazy at the time. But Deshaun Watson's not to respond. I don't think he will respond, and I don't really blame him on responding to this whole situation. But did the Bears talk to Deshaun Watson? Do you believe the Bears talked to him? Because a lot of evidence says they did. Deshaun Watson says they didn't. The Bears are just going to keep getting made fun of. It's just going to keep It's just gonna keep on, keeping on, keep on happening. And it's kind of funny. I saw this on Twitter the other day. The, so the Jaguars signed Mike Glennon. The Bears just traded for Nick Foles. Nick Foles was the Jaguars' backup. Mike Glennon just became the Jaguars' backup. So it's it's just kind of funny how that all works out. Man, it kind of, you kind of kind of feel bad for Bears fans. They get made fun of a lot, anyways, for just being Bears fans. But now they get talked about. Like it's <laughs> like that. You can look at that whole if what the Sean Watson thing is actually true or not. But <laughs> if you look at the second thing that I read, or the third thing I read, sorry, talking about Deshaun Watson, all the things, all the teams that he visited, what the Bears did. It makes the Bears look worse than what you already thought. But as Spencer said, ooh, the plot thickens. But I don't really know what to believe here. I don't think it looks from what everything I've read, Deshaun Watson has talked to the Bears. So don't say that if he didn't talk. If he didn't talk to the Bears, then that's fine. He didn't. But everything, every source from that time points to you talked to the Bears. So I don't know why you said that. Just trying to make the Bears look even stupider for drafting Trubisky, which people already do anyways. He doesn't need the hate. <laughs> He's not going to go into the season as the main guy anyways. The Bears don't believe in him. Matt Nagy don't want him. Ryan Pace has lost all faith in him, even though that's the guy who drafted him. His career is now riding on Trubisky, which is the stupid part about this whole situation. It makes it even worse because this is Ryan Pace's livelihood on the line here. Trubisky doesn't pan out. One, not panning out is another is one thing having not panning out and having two quarterbacks that have won an MVP in a Super Bowl actually one of them and the other one being a very talented quarterback who's considered top 10 top five quarterback in the league that makes it even worse <laughs> that makes it a thousand times worse than the situation already was and that's what makes me feel even more bad for my friend Spencer and then big cat every time I see him on Twitter I mean it makes it it's funny out on the outside looking in it's funny but being in a, in that situation, being an actual Bears fan, lifelong Bears fan, it's got to hurt. It's got to hurt to your very core watching the likes of Deshaun Watson and Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes dominate the NFL. But again, hindsight, I hate it, but you would certainly think the Bears would rather have those two than Trubisky. And every time they play them, Mahomes mocked the Bears when he played the Bears last year. I'm not 100% sure, but I think Deshaun Watson's playing the Bears this year. I need to recheck that. I'm not 100% sure on that, but 
Would they have been the same? I don't know. Situation is a little bit different than in Chicago than it was at Kansas City at the time for Mahomes. But again, talent precedes everything. So I don't know. Mahomes and Watson got put in very good situations. They're better situations than what Trubisky did. But they're way more talented than Trubisky. And they got way thicker skin as it looks than Mitch Trubisky does. So you feel kind of bad for Trubisky, but not really at the same time. It's like, you're made millions of dollars playing in the NFL, but, man, media hates you. I feel kind of bad for you off that. I liked him at North Carolina. You can go back and listen to the older Logan Blackman show, which still exists on SoundCloud. Um, I don't know what you would search. Would you just search Logan Blackman on SoundCloud? It's got, like, a, a football, soccer, like, a bunch of different things. Just little sound bites. But we talked about Mitch Trubisky on that show. I talked about him quite a bit during that college football season prior to the draft. And I liked him. I really liked him. But, yeah. Hindsight, man. For Bears fans, hindsight is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And with that being said, I'm going to take another quick break here on the Logan Blackman show. I got to go to the bathroom really, really bad. I got to go pee super bad. I drank water and chugged in basically entire Sprite ginger before I came back on that last break. So I've got to go to the bathroom really, really bad. We'll come back, talk about another Chicago Bears quarterback. This one, a former Chicago Bears quarterback. And we'll look at the top five quarterbacks combined of the 2020-2021 draft class. Totally not stolen anywhere. Completely original idea. And we will be right back right after this. What up, everybody? And welcome back to the last 45 minutes of the Logan Blackman show here on this beautiful Monday on May 11th of 2020. As we said at the beginning of the show, congratulations to everybody that graduated from college this past weekend. And happy late Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Hope you guys all celebrated accordingly on Mother's Day yesterday. So, as we talked about in the last little section about Deshaun Watson and the Chicago Bears, whatever happened, I don't know. Well, one person saying one thing, another person saying a completely different thing, I don't know. Either way, the Bears look bad in this situation. In hindsight, the Bears look really bad because you're like, man, they should have taken Mahomes or Watson. Well, at the time, it wasn't really seen that crazy they took Mitchell Trubisky because he's coming from a pro-style system. He wasn't battling a really big injury history like Watson Mahomes where it wasn't as erratic as uh, Patrick Mahomes. So it seemed like the safer option there. But safer doesn't always mean better. Doesn't always mean better. Safer is what gets you in trouble. Like with Miami Dolphins taking Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees in free agency. Drew Brees has become one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Dante Culpepper is not. Just to put it lightly. So, yeah, safe options don't always work out, which is what happened here with the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky. Hindsight should have taken Watson, uh, should have taken Mahomes or Watson, whichever one. But we don't live in hindsight. We live in the here and now, and they took Trubisky, so now they're just going to have to deal with it, and they'll take a quarterback in next year's draft. But before we go on to my rankings of the combined, well, the combined rankings of this year's draft, like the 2020 draft and Next year's draft, the 2021 draft, I want to talk about another Bears quarterback right now, and that is um, Jay Cutler. And everybody knows 
Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler was not really the most liked quarterback in the NFL in his time playing for both the Broncos and the Chicago Bears. More disliked playing for the Broncos than the Bears, but still not really well liked by the vast majority of people, including myself. I wasn't a huge Jay Cutler fan when he played for the Chicago Bears. I didn't like him on the Broncos, so my dislike for him fed over to the Chicago Bears for him. I liked the team. I I got family from Chicago. I got family that lived there now. I got family from Illinois, like Galesburg, Illinois. But I have family that live in Chicago, on the north side of Chicago, like right down the street from Wrigley. So we have fan. We we love our Chicago sports teams, but just we never really really big Bears fans. And Jay Cutler was a reason why I wasn't really that big of a Bears fan. But I am liking Jay Cutler more and more into retirement than I ever did as a football player. And I think everybody can say that. I think Jay Cutler is gaining more more popularity in his time out of the NFL than he ever did as an actual quarterback in the NFL. Everybody's going around going, man, I got to go buy my new Jay Cutler jersey now or get a bootleg Jay Cutler jersey probably. Not going to buy an old, go on Bears website, go, oh, I want to customize Jay Cutler. And you're probably going to go like, I don't know. What are some fake Jersey websites? Um, Ali, Ally Express, get a fake Jay Cutler Jersey and do that. But Jay Cutler, for those of you who don't know, if you, if you've been living in the dark for a while now, Jay Cutler and his wife, Kristen Cavallari, who has had a show on, I what, what channel was that on? It was on some cable channel, which I don't remember what it was. And, um, yeah, so they're getting divorced, and she is reportedly divorcing him because he's unmotivated, which, to be fair, was something that he was criticized on during his NFL career, but he has made a nice little penny for his talent in Chicago and in Denver, most notably in Chicago. Holds every Bears passing record, any significant Bears passing record, Jay Cutler. Chris Gavallari wants to divorce Jay Cutler, or wants Jay Cutler to give her $5 million so she could buy a mansion. Cutler freezes his account so she can't access them and tells her to get a job. If I wasn't holding this microphone right now, I would be clapping. That is one of the greatest answers of all time. This happened a few days ago, or a few weeks ago, but I wanted to bring this up now because we were talking about the Chicago Bears and their need for a quarterback. So I was like, I, know, I haven't talked about Jay Cutler in this situation enough on the show. I love Jay Cutler now. That is one of the greatest answers of all time. Why does she need $5 million to do, get a man? She has a TV show. She's getting paid for doing the TV show. Jay is the only reason that show was even popular. Their viewership was probably like 75% guys because of Jay Cutler. Because of all the answers he would give throughout the course of the show. And it was just awesome. Jay Cutler gave the best answers ever. Chris Cavalier divorcing lazy Jay Cutler because he was unmotivated. Well, if I got beat up for X amount of years in the NFL playing behind some of the worst offensive lines in football in Chicago and Denver, getting multiple concussions, playing with type di- with diabetes, I, I I'd be perfectly. I would. I don't know what's unmotivated about that. I want to spend time with my family. I want to relax. I just played in the NFL for X amount of years. I'm done getting beat up. I don't want to play in the NFL anymore. I don't want to do anything. I just want to relax. 
Jay Cutler was playing with type 1 diabetes, getting set nine times in one half by the New York Giants. Just got called lazy and unmotivated by his wife for wanting to spend some time with his family after football. So, unmotivated Jay Cutler is wanting to, is, so let's just recap this. So Jay Cutler's hardworking wife wants Jay Cutler to just give her $5 million so she can buy a mansion. Jay Cutler says, get a job. But Jay Cutler's the unmotivated, lazy one. Why don't you just go get a job, Kristen? I'm sorry. Just go out and get a job somewhere. Host your TV show. And actually, it's going to be hard to do it. I think the viewership's going to go way down if Jay Cutler's not in it. Jay Cutler was the reason that show was even popular in the first place. Go look up Jay Cutler, very Cavallari clips, and you'll be laughing. For I love those clips. Jay Cutler made that show watchable for anybody. Show's not a good show, and she's not the most likable person in the world. But don't call him lazy and unmotivated. He got a lot of money. He had a lot of talent. He wasn't considered the most hyperactive player in the NFL. But don't call him lazy. After he got beat up in the NFL and just wants to chill for a little bit, or a little bit, for the rest of his life. And then call him lazy when you just want him to hand you $5 million. That's not how this works. That doesn't make any sense. You're lazy. Give me $5 million. Why? Because I want to buy a mansion. That's not really the most, like, (laughs) backing your tactics up that well, Chris. I'm sorry. It's not. I would probably go, I'm divorced because you're lazy, unmotivated, then I would go do something. Not, you're lazy, unmotivated, now give me $5 million so I can buy myself a house. Get a job. Well, I don't want to do that. I want you to just give me it. That's not real. That's not really backing up why the fact you're divorcing this person in the first place. It's kind of doing the opposite and kind of helping his case out more than anything. It's actually hurting yours more than helping your case out. So I would kind of backtrack on the lazy, unmotivated thing when you're just asking him to give you $5 million. So goat answer for Jay Cutler by just going, no, get a job. I'm freezing all of my accounts. Love that. Jay Cutler was not well-liked as a football player, has thousands, if not millions of fans when he's retired because of this whole situation. I love Jay Cutler. Smoking Jay has got more fans now than he ever did in his time as the Denver Broncos quarterback, Chicago Bears quarterback, even that weird year when he was down in Miami. But man, yeah, I would say the same thing. I'm lazy unmotivated. You're the one asking me for a handout. Don't call me lazy unmotivated when you just want to buy yourself a mansion. Go get a job. Boom. Goat answer. Love the answer. Big baller answer. That's like at Family Feud when like they give some answer and the entire family goes, Good answer, good answer. That's what this situation is. A good answer from Jay Cutler. And that is on the board for all we asked this many people and it's just good answer good answer and it's at the very top of the board love the answer from jay got a fan from logan blackman which is a big stamp of approval for how good you are bit or how you've been doing now very good stuff there from smoking jay cutler i love it i love i absolutely love it and since we were on the top, which this this is basically just dedicated to the Chicago Bears at this point. Chicago Bears quarterback mystery. What will the Bears do at quarterback? Well, it ain't Jay Cutler because he retired. 
for what it looks like, Trubisky's not the answer. Not Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, obviously, because they're in Kansas City and Houston. So, is it Nick Foles for the future? No, I would hope not for Bears fans' sake. Because Nick Foles has been in really, like, it was a weird signing when he went to Jacksonville because he's not a gar- he's not a everyday starter. He's a very good situational quarterback. He's the best backup in the NFL and thrives in situational football. He's not a very good everyday starter. He's not. He won the Eagles the Super Bowl. There's a reason he won the Super Bowl and the Eagles just put him back at backup and didn't even have a quarterback battle between him and Wentz because Wentz is a thousand times better quarterback than Nick Foles is. I love Nick Foles. But he's not an everyday starter. So right now, the Chicago Bears quarterback room consists of Nick Foles and Trubisky and maybe some other ones that I can't remember right now. Some, like, either journeymen or some young quarterbacks. But as it looks right now, the Bears are going to draft a quarterback next year's draft. Matt Miller ranked them as the second worst team in the NFL right above the New York Giants. If I read this, if I read the thing right, it was just a tweet that just listed out teams the analyst at 31. So, the Bears, their defense is still great. Their offense has no real direction. Especially at quarterback. No real direction at offense. So, who's the Bears quarterback of the future? Well, it very well could be and probably will be someone in next year's draft. They got Nick Foles. They're not, they declined Trubisky's fifth-year option. So, they're not going to pay him next year, I would assume. So, he's going to be playing somewhere else. Maybe with the Panthers. I don't know. Go back to Carolina. Maybe he goes to the Browns. It'd be Baker Mayfield's backup. He wanted to get drafted by the Browns. He's from Ohio. He's a Browns fan. Go back to the Browns. But I doubt he'll be the Bears quarterback, starting quarterback next year. I don't really know if he'll be the starting quarterback going into this year. So here's a look at combined list. Now, we've ranked our quarterbacks before. We've ranked the top five quarterbacks for next year's draft before. That's not something that is new here. There's not a lot of sports to talk about right now, so you will you will be fine if I keep doing some lists of some sort or another because that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep making lists because it gives me something to talk about and I can ramble on randomly about these lists. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I like doing it, so I'm going to do it even more even if you don't like it. I'm going to do another list on top of this list maybe. But this is a combined thing, totally original idea, combining... This year's draft class, meaning the 2020 draft class, so you have like Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, Eason, Fromp, whatever, those quarterbacks, with the 2021 draft class, with like your Trevor Lawrence's, uh, Jamie Newman's, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, uh, Sam Ellinger, Brock Purdy, what other quarterbacks you got in there? There's there's some other one, Ian Book, Ian Book maybe, um... I don't know. There's some other quarterbacks in there you could list, but those are your like your those quarterbacks. So this year and la- next year's draft class. So here's our top five of the combined list of these ones. Number one, Trevor Lawrence, 2021 draft. I know Joe Burrow outplayed Trevor Lawrence in the national championship game, but Trevor Lawrence is the better pro prospect than Joe Burrow. Burrow, I love Joe Burrow. Burrow, I have tweeted about him a thousand times, it seems like, on my radio show Twitter account, at the underscore LB underscore show. And I've talked about him a million times on the Logan Blackman show and have praised him for having the greatest quarterback, greatest season a college quarterback has ever had, which is factual. I don't care what people say. There's not been a quarterback that has had a better season than Joe Burrow. 
but Trevor Lawrence is a better pro prospect than Joe Burrow. And it's like what Daniel Jeremiah said. You always want the next year's guy. You want to keep looking forward to keep improving next year. So like when he got asked on NFL Network, this is before the draft, Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow, who'd you take? He said he'd rather scout Trevor Lawrence because you want to look towards the future. The future, you want to always be brighter. So that's what I'm, that's my logic here. And if you go head to head with Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, they're kind of similar, but not really at the same time. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but bear with me. So Trevor Lawrence has lost one game his college career. And that was the national championship game against Clemson, against LSU. And he hadn't lost a game since I think his sophomore year of high school. Maybe it was a freshman year of high school. It was a long time since he lost a football game. But he has a very, very strong arm. He's very mobile as well. Very underrated mobility. Cannon arm. Very mobile. Great leader. Winner. And tough. Very, very tough. Joe Burrow, same things. Didn't Hasn't lost a lot in his college and high school career. Lost, I think, four games his junior year of college with LSU. Didn't lose a lot of games in high school for Athens High School in Ohio. Pretty mobile. Not incredibly mobile. But doesn't have the same arm strength that Trevor Lawrence has. Trevor Lawrence is an absolute snot rocket. He has an absolute piss cannon of a right arm. He could throw the crap out of a football. So I have him as my number one on this list. Uh, He improved on every number statistically from his freshman to junior season while playing for the Clemson Tigers. But to some people, he had somewhat of a down year at Clemson, which is weird to think about. So he threw more passes his sophomore to freshman year, or freshman to sophomore year, completed a higher percent of his passes, about the same, but a little bit higher percentage from in his sophomore year. Threw for more yards. Average per completion was higher. Uh, threw more touchdowns. Ran for more touchdowns. Had way more rushing yards. But he did have four more interceptions than he did the year before. And his quarterback rating was higher than his freshman season. So he did improve. He improved from his freshman to sophomore year at Clemson. And it looks dead on that he's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. And has been the most highly anticipated quarterback in the draft since like Andrew Luck, John Elway era stuff like can't miss prospects is what this guy is getting talked about as and that's when he was a freshman winning the national championship and absolutely dismantling a great Alabama defense destroying Alabama's defense and made it look easy as a freshman true freshman something special with Trevor Lawrence and he's got all of it he's got it all He's really big. He's a little skinny. Maybe he could put on a little bit more weight, but he's got the the height, the absolute cannon of an arm, the mobility, the record, the leadership. He's got everything you look for in a quarterback at the next level. He's everything you look for. He's the perfect quarterback prospect, to say the least. Joe Burrow is definitely number two on this list. Why, if you asked me this last year or before last season started, he would not even be anywhere close to this list. Wouldn't be anywhere close. But he had the single greatest season a quarterback has ever had in college football history. No question about it. The greatest season a college football quarterback has ever had. He led the nation in passing yards. He threw 60 touchdowns, which was an NCAA record. Completed 76.3% of his passes, which led the NCAA. He had a quarterback rating of 202, which is an NCAA record. 
He won the Heisman, Davey O'Brien, Maxwell, Walter Camp, National Championship, MVP with the National Championship, along with other things, and got drafted number one overall. Joe Burrow had the greatest season that a college quarterback has ever had. That's not even close. He had a he won the Heisman Trophy in a landslide victory. And yeah, got drafted number one overall by the Bengals. And he's gonna go in week one starting for the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll see how he does in his time in the NFL. But his college season was fantastic. Greatest season I've ever watched. I loved watching every second of Joe Burrow. But Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect than Joe Burrow. He's done something more consistently. He's got better size. He's got better mobility. He's got a way stronger arm. And he's won a, he's won a national championship too, which Joe Burrow, we could throw that with Joe Burrow too. The only thing he hasn't done that Joe Burrow has is win a Heisman and have the greatest season college quarterbacks ever had. But Heisman Trophy could be in Trevor Lawrence's future, maybe. He's not the favorite, though. He's one of the favorites, but not the favorite as what I've read. Maybe, maybe he is on other people's things, but we'll talk about the favorite in a little bit. But that's number one and two. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Joe Burrow, number two. Number three, as far as pro prospects go, Tua Tagovailoa is number three. If he didn't get hurt, he would be up there a little bit higher. Tua is the greatest quarterback in Alabama history, holding almost every single passing stat in Alabama. He broke the record for touchdowns last year, and he pretty much destroyed it, if I remember right. And he might be higher on this list if it just wasn't for the injuries. Won a national championship, like Burrow, like Trevor Lawrence. Lost to Trevor Lawrence in a national championship game. But he has everything. He got that it factory one in college. He's got accuracy for days. He's the most accurate quarterback out of all of these quarterbacks, naturally. Joe Burrow had an insane year this year, but I think naturally uh, two was a more accurate thrower, even though he led the NCAA in pat- completion percentage last year. Tua, he's the most natural left-handed throwing quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. Lefties make everything look kind of awkward. Never looks really natural with a left-handed quarterback. Left-handed anything, really. But he made it look so effortless. He's got mobility. The only thing that might dock him compared to the other ones is he's a little shorter than the other guys. He's not even that. He's not tiny. He's not like Kyler Murray, who was barely 5'10". He's got decent size. And he's a tough, hard-nosed guy. That's the problem with his injuries. It's not like he's just naturally fragile. He's trying to make plays and gets hurt doing it. The hip injury's big. The ankle injuries are big, too. But as far as talent goes, he is up there with the best. And it'll be interesting to see how he does as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins in the near future. Number four, Justin Fields, this year's draft class. Uh, He's probably the most mobile and best playmaker in FBS right now. Out of all the players in FBS, he's probably the best playmaker in that level. Last year, 37 total yards, 51 total touchdowns through, I think, three interceptions. Doesn't always, didn't put his teammates or team in bad situations in other than the semifinals of the college football playoff. But you could put that on the wide receiver as well. Probably more on the number on the wide receiver. Him in Ohio State, mostly by J.K. Dobbins, but at Ohio State, they had the fifth best rushing attack in yards per game in college football, and the teams above them were Navy, Army, Air Force, and Kentucky, flip Air Force and Army, 
And those guys were all run first teams. Lynn Bowden was the quarterback for Kentucky. He would throw, I think, three passes. It's not think, I know. He would throw like three passes a game and have 187 yards rushing or something along those lines. So those are all run for triple option teams in Kentucky. And then Ohio State. Justin Fields is an absolute beast. His arm strength is not as good as the other quarterbacks on this list, but his playmaking ability makes him very, very desirable for the draft. And he's a winner. He won and the best conference in college football. Them or the SEC, whichever you want to want to say, Big Ten and SEC are the top two conferences in college football. And you most people consider it 1A and 1B in conferences. Justin Fields is an absolute beast. His arm strength is not as good as Trevor Lawrence's. Not really that close, really. But playmaking gives is the reason why I believe he's the number one favorite for the Heisman Trophy next year. He's a great playmaker. That's what he does. He makes plays. Almost 30, almost basically 3,800 total yards of offense with 51 touchdowns, 41 passing, 10 rushing. He makes plays on a football field. But his, yeah, the arm strength thing is a little bit thing that docks him a little bit compared to Trevor Lawrence. I, I get asked this a lot. Who's going to get drafted first, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? I always say Trevor Lawrence. And the arm strength and the size is a little bit of the issue there. And that's not saying Justin Fields is tiny. Justin Fields has great size. He's a very similar size to the quarterback I'm going to say next. And I think you already know what it is if you've been listening to this show long enough. Actually, for about what, three weeks. Troy Lance from North Coast State is number five on this list he is the best player in fcs best playmaker best quarterback best overall player in fcs threw for 2700 yards last year basically 2800 rushed for 100 rushed for 1100 yards had 42 touchdowns zero turnovers and total yards 3886 total yards of offense basically 3900 yards of offense with zero picks won the national championship is the best overall player in the FCS and has good size. Him and Justin Fields are basically the same size. Trey Lance is six foot three, two twenty one. Justin Fields is six foot three, two hundred twenty three. They're the same exact size. Very similar styles of player. Very similar in total yards. Very similar in yards or touchdowns. Very similar in amount of turnovers they've had. They make plays for their teams. Trey Lance, I think he plays in what you would consider a more natural pro-style offense, but a lot of teams are going away from that and doing more spread. But I think as as a passer goes, I think Trey Lance is a little better. A little better. But they're very close. I think the big thing that docks Trey Lance versus, Trey, versus Justin Fields is the fact that Trey Lance plays in the FCS. He plays for the best team in the FCS. He plays in the best conference of the FCS, but he still plays in the FCS. Justin Fields plays for a top four team in the FBS and plays in the top two conferences in the FBS, which is a higher level uh, than the FCS. I think you put Oklahoma State or Ohio State versus North Coast State, Ohio State would win by double digits is what my gut says. It might be closer. In that 10 double digits, it might be 10 points. It's not like they'll blow them out of water. So North Coast State beat you down with the rushing attack. They'll run with the fullback. They're very willing to run the fullback in there, and they'll run spread. They'll do whatever. They have multiple different sets, which is why it's so hard to beat them in the FCS, which is why they've won eight national championships, however many in a row. Like, 
Maybe it is the eight in a row. They've just dominated FCS. And Trey Lance is a big reason why they killed a lot of teams last year. Trey Lance is a very, very talented. I love Trey Lance. But he's not getting talked about because he plays in the FCS. And not a lot of people, to be it is a completely fair thing, don't follow the FCS. Why? Because it's a lower level of college football. It's just fact. Lesser scholarships, smaller schools, smaller stadiums by a lot. It's just natural that people don't follow the FCS. You won't look at a lot of teams' player rankings list and see a Trey Lance on there. But his talent can't be denied regardless of what level he plays at. Look at Duggar. Got drafted by the New England Patriots from Lenore Ryan. D2 football player. That's what I said about Mahomes and Watson. Talent transcends situation or system, whatever. Trey Lance has talent. If you have talent, you can succeed at any level, especially if you have a very high talent. Chance is a redshirt freshman that dominated the FCS last year. Go watch some Trey Lance tape, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But a lot of people are going to have Justin Fields higher. So, makes sense. He plays in the number one or two conference of college football. He played against the toughest opponents last year, took Clemson to the final buzzer last year for losing. But... Justin Fields and Ohio State are an amazing team. So I'll have to see what they do this year. But that is my top. If I'm ranking the top five quarterbacks from this year's draft and the top five quarterbacks from next year's draft, that's what I would rank them as. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Joe Burrow, number two. Tua Tagovailoa, number three. Justin Fields, four. And Trey Lance, number five. I think those. I think the guys from next year are better pro prospects. Justin Herbert... Cannon arm, size, got all that stuff you look for. Very similar style quarterback to Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Justin. He's got the inconsistencies in Justin Herbert's game are not there in Trevor Lawrence's game. Very similar skill set, both six foot six. Both run a lot. But Trevor Lawrence doesn't have the inconsistencies in his play that a Justin Herbert has. Like he did against Arizona State, which kept Oregon out of the college football playoff last year. When they lost to Arizona State at Arizona State and got outplayed by a true freshman quarterback for ASU. The best two games in Justin Herbert's career are the Rose Bowl and the Senior Bowl. To be quite frank, and the Senior Bowl, or the Rose Bowl, he ran for three touchdowns. He didn't do anything special throwing the ball. And the Senior Bowl is a glorified scrimmage. Those are his two best games in college. Trevor Lawrence has done it all over the place. Regular season, postseason, never put Clemson in really bad situations. He willed them to come back against Ohio State. They were dead in the water against Ohio State. And then he had that rushing touchdown, and then that's where everything started clicking for Clemson against Ohio State. So Trevor Justin Lawrence, or Justin Herbert misses out on this. I think he's a little overdrafted. Sixth is a little high, maybe. I had him going 14th, but again, the Patriots won't, wouldn't have traded up for him. I had him, I had him around the 10 range if for the draft process. But the Chargers drafting him makes 100% sense because they need a quarterback for the future. Now, the Oregon quarterback situation where, like, Oregon quarterbacks can't don't transition to the NFL very well, that's a very big thing that's going on right now. Look at Joey Harrington, Achilles Smith, uh, Marcus Mariota. 
Dennis Dixon. Like, they don't really translate to the NFL. None of them have had success in the NFL. The only Oregon quarterback to ever have a resemblance of success in the NFL is Dan Fouts, former Chargers quarterback, who's now in the Hall of Fame. But other than that, there's never been a really, really good Oregon quarterback. They've all sucked in the NFL. Trevor or Justin Herbert, compared to the, all the other Oregon quarterbacks before him, is in the best situation to succeed. You got a really good defense that was just injured injured a lot last year. You got three great weapons on the outside in Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry. And then you got a great receiving back in Austin Eckler and a great a mu- not great, much improved offensive line from last year by getting Trey Turner, Brian Balaga, and then getting a healthy Mike Pouncey in there. So the Chargers are a great situation for Justin Herbert to be in. Great situation. But I think he'll be the most successful out of the Oregon quarterbacks other than Dan Fouts, but that's not saying a lot because they didn't really have success in the NFL. He's by far in the best situation. Chargers are too good of a team to go 5-11 again. There's no way. I refuse to believe they'll go 5-11 again. Uh, other quarterbacks that missed out, Jamie Newman has played decent at Wake Forest. We'll see how he does at Georgia. I think his play will improve on this year, playing at a bigger program, getting better weapons than at Wake Forest. Then you have um, Jordan Love. He was not scaring this list. Talent-wise, up there with the best of them. I had just Jordan Love going above Justin Herbert in one of my mock drafts. So it wouldn't, it's, I like Jordan Love, but he's not comparable to the five I got on this list. Or maybe he is. He is comparable. He's got worlds of talent. And he might be the next Patrick Mahomes or next Aaron Rodgers or whatever. But yeah, as a prospect, these five are, I'm not changing these five. These five are not, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, these five are not changeable, I guess. The top five is not for debate. There we go. I think the five is set in that order. And I don't think any quarterbacks are coming in. And I don't think any quarterbacks are really leaving. Jamie Newman might go back in there this year. Maybe we see a Brock Purdy throw himself into the mix. But yeah, top five, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. That is my quarterback rank. I think it's a very solid quarterback list that we got going on right now for the Logan Blackman show quarterback thing. So those are my top five quarterbacks for next year. We got three in this year's draft, or two in this year's draft, three in next year's draft. So that's what we got there. And while we're on the topics of quarterbacks, we got a little bit of time left in the show. I didn't know if we'd have enough time to do this, but it looks like we do. So I did the jersey bracket list a few weeks ago. If you listened to it, you would remember that I did a jersey bracket. If you didn't, go back and listen. I don't remember what episode it's in. Just go look in the descriptions of each episode and just listen to it. I don't know. It was a while ago. Not a while, like a week or so ago. Two weeks ago, maybe. When the Chargers released their uniforms, whatever day that was. Dude, the day after the Chargers released their uniforms. Or the day of. I don't remember. It was around that time when the Chargers released their uniforms. But for right now, since we've been talking about quarterbacks the entire show, other than the last dance, the NFL segment that we've talked about has involved quarterbacks. Well, Watson, Trubisky, Mahomes, Jay Cutler, and all the top five quarterbacks that I had on my college list, whatever one you want to do, it's been quarterback dominated. So why not end the show talking about some quarterbacks and ranking quarterbacks? So this is the, the quarterback bracket. Got every starting quarterback 
in this list. And yeah, let's go through this list. Now, I just want to double check something before I get started on this list. Go to ourlads.com just to see who the Chicago Bears starting quarterback is listed on there. Just so we have a decent idea of what we're going with. Because I get a, if it says or, I'm going to be pissed. Okay, we have a guy there. All right, sounds good. Perfect. So let's go on to this list. I mean, it doesn't change the outcome of what where I had them at. But, oh, Tyler Bray is there, former Tennessee quarterback. So, yeah, here's our quarterback tier list. So it's the exact same format as the Jersey one. Went by division, alphabetical order in each division. And it's had quarterbacks going off against each other. It's the starting quarterbacks going into the season. It's not quarterbacks of the future. So, Justin Herbert, Tua, Jordan Love, you're not on the list. Sorry, because you're backups right now. Justin Herbert to Tyrod, Ryan Fitzpatrick for Tua, and then Jordan Love is backup to Aaron Rodgers. So, you guys are not on the list. I'm sorry. Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, you'd be on the list next year. But right now, no, you're not on the list. So we'll start off with the NFC, AFC North. A comes first in the alphabet, north, south, east, west, as we do. AFC North, we got Baltimore versus Cincy. Lamar Jackson up against Joe Burrow. I think it's a pretty unanimous one. Joe Burrow hasn't played a snap in the NFL. Did have the greatest season in college football history, but Lamar Jackson's the reigning unanimous MVP. Just led the Ravens to a 14-2 record last year, the best record in the league. Lamar Jackson wins easily. Uh, next one, Cleveland, Baker Mayfield versus Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. I don't know how big Ben's going to be after his injury. Injured his elbow last season. I don't know how he's going to be after that. I expect Baker to take a big step forward this year and totally rebound from what happened last year. So I have Baker beating Big Ben. And then Baltimore versus Cleveland, the number one pick in the 2018 draft versus the 32nd pick. Lamar Jackson comes out on top. Winning the best quarterback battle of the AFC North. AFC South, Houston, Deshaun Watson versus Indianapolis and Phillip Rivers. Deshaun Watson, easy one. Phillip Rivers, much like Big Ben, in the twilight of their career, probably retiring at the end of this season. Phillips, I think, is going to retire after this year. Big Ben, I think he's nearing it as well. If not, he's got another year after that. So Deshaun Watson, easy. Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew versus Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill wins that one. Uh, sign a nice little contract extension with the Titans. Will he go back? Will he be the new age Ryan Fitzpatrick? That's my prediction for Tane Hill. Dominating his contract years and then just go back to his average play or below average, whatever you want to look at it, and <laughs> just ride the wave of his NFL career. But Tannehill's had a lot more early success than Fitzpatrick ever did. But I'm going to give that one to Tannehill. And then Watson versus Tannehill, Deshaun Watson. The first two divisions, like, well, actually, pretty much all of the AFC. All of the AFC, there's one quarterback. That if I just said their name, you know who's going to win. Uh, AFC East, we have the Bills and Josh Allen versus Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins. Josh Allen wins that one easily. I'm sorry, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins fans. I'm sorry. Uh, New England Patriots and Jarrett Stidham take on New York Jets and Sam Darnold. Jarrett Stidham has a pick six to his name, and I think has only thrown four passes. So Sam Darnold wins that one easy. And Josh Allen versus Sam Darnold. We've talked about this a thousand times on the show at nauseum. Josh Allen is better than Sam Darnold. Josh Allen wins that one easily there. AFC West, 
Denver and Drew Locke versus Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, do we even need to do the rest of this? We know Patrick Mahomes is going to win it, but we'll do it for fun. Patrick Mahomes beats Drew Locke. Derek Carr beats Tyrod Taylor in Las Vegas versus LA. And then Mahomes beats Derek Carr. I mean, that was the easiest one out of all of them. <laughs> out of all of the quarterback battles we had in the AFC. Like, do we even need to do that one? I mean, Drew Locke, Derek Carr, Tyrod Taylor. Do they even really compare to Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> it's not really close. And then for the AFC semifinals, Baltimore versus Houston. Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson. Lamar wins that one uh, against Deshaun Watson. And then... Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes wins that one. And then we got Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Mahomes is the champion for the AFC. So now let's go on to the NFC. Going with the NFC North, Chicago Bears. Don't know who their starting quarterback is, but we'll go with Trubisky right now versus Matthew Stafford. And like that changes anything. Whether it's Nick Foles or Trubisky, Stafford's winning that one. And then we got Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay versus Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Feel bad for Kirk here because he should be moving on in that one over like the other quarterbacks. But alphabetically, they sit up next to each other. We'll give it to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is better than Kirk Cousins. I mean, I'm not I'm not sitting here going, Kirk Cousins deserves to beat Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't. I think he could challenge Matthew Stafford and beat Trubisky pretty easily. And then we got Stafford versus Rodgers. Rodgers walks away with that one to take the crown for the NFC North. NFC South. Matt Ryan in Atlanta versus Carolina and Teddy Bridgewater. Matt Ryan wins that one. New Orleans and Drew Brees versus Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Legacy-wise, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Easily. Greatest quarterback of all time, Thomas Edward Brady. It's not even really close. But Drew Brees, as of right now, I think is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. As we stand right now. A lot of silence around here, but <laughs> I'm going to give that to Todd, uh, Drew Brees. That was a tough one because it's about two legends of the game. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but I don't know. It's very, 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 very close. I think I'm going to give it to Brees there. And then the winner of that one would be the next one. So I give it to Brees over Matt Ryan. Just based off last year, Drew Brees had a better year than Tom Brady. He sat out six games. I think I would just give it to breeze i feel bad for matt ryan too i think matt ryan could win that one but i'm gonna give it to breeze i don't really i'm not comfortable with that picking that winner there all the other divisions i feel fine with choosing winners nfc south i didn't feel the most comfortable with nfc east dallas cowboys and dak prescott versus the giants and daniel jones give that one to dak philadelphia and carson wentz versus dwayne haskins and the washington redskins give that one to carson wentz easy and then philadelphia carson wentz versus dak prescott Carson Wentz, again, easy, winning that one over Dak Prescott. The NFC West, Kyler Murray versus Jared Goff. I think if you asked me this two years ago, if Kyler Murray was in the league, I'd say Jared Goff. But as of right now, I'm going to say Kyler Murray over Jared Goff. And then we have Jimmy G versus Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson beats Jimmy G in that one. So we have Arizona versus Seattle, Kyler Murray versus Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson takes the crown over Kyler Murray there. So your winners for the NFC are um, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, and Russell Wilson. The semifinals, Aaron Rodgers beats Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers will win, beating Drew Brees in that one as of right now. And the next one, Philadelphia, Carson Wentz versus Seattle and Russell Wilson. Wilson walks away with that one. 
So then we got Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson will win that one as well. So the final is Patrick Mahomes versus Russell Wilson, and the best quarterback in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's very up for – I don't really think that's up for debate. I think he is by far the best quarterback in the NFL. I think if I had to rank them just right now, I would put Mahomes, Wilson, Lamar, Deshaun, Carson Wentz. Or maybe flip Carson Wentz to Deshaun. Carson Wentz is the top. Those are my top five quarterbacks in the league right now. Mahomes, Wilson, Lamar, Carson, Deshaun Watson. That's what I have as my top five quarterbacks in the league right now. I You could rotate those however you wanted. I think you could rotate Lamar and Wilson. I think you could rotate uh, Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. I just think unquestionably Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won an MVP. Like, what do you want him to do? He's the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Make every throw on the football field. He oozes confidence and swag with even with a voice that sounds like Kermit the Frog. He still oozes swag, which is hard for someone to do. Who sounds like that, but he is the best quarterback in the NFL. On Wednesday, we might do a full blown quarterback list, like just rank all the quarter, all the starting quarterbacks right now because we did the bracket today. Come back on Wednesday, do a full blown like ranking between all of them. Which would be unfair to the rookies with Joe Burrow. He'd probably be ranking at the bottom because he hasn't played a snap in the NFL yet. But, yeah, I think that'd be pretty fun. We'll get that list ready for you on Wednesday. But that's your quarterback bracket with Russell Wilson losing to Patrick Mahomes in the finals of the quarterback bracket on the Logan Black Show. Much like the Jersey one, I think it was a fairly unanimous winner there. I don't think it was pretty hard to choose. I chose the Chargers uniforms, the best uniforms in the NFL. Chose Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the NFL. And I hate the Chiefs, but they are they have the best quarterback in the league. It's just fact. I, I no matter how much I hate them, I dislike them and don't really care for their fans that much, but they have the best quarterback in the NFL. It's obvious. And that is my top quarterback list. I ranked my top 5 quarterbacks in college football pretty much of well like quarterbacks for next year's draft and this year's draft made a combined top five we just like making lists here i just love making lists and as we close out this monday edition of the logan blackman show it is now 12 52 right now on this monday and i'd like to end with some sad news that espn will no longer be bringing back booger mcfarland and joe tessator in the booth so hopefully that means that they'll bring back the booger mobile Please bring back the Booger Mobile. Booger McFarlane. Uh, it was a wreck. I mean, it wasn't very great. I would throw Pat McAfee on Monday Night Football in a heartbeat. So, yeah, get Pat McAfee in the booth. Um, I'm going to miss you, Booger. I love your – I love I love the the commentary you provide, especially with the, the Minneapolis miracle hurt the Minnesota Vikings. It was bad for them. And then I would do – a quarterback sneak and then call a timeout when it's third down or fourth down or what was the thing it was a bills texans game i can't remember what he said it was so funny at the time but i don't remember what he said crap <laughs> that makes this less funny but i wish booger all the best in his further endeavors hopefully espn promotes pat mcafee to 
the Monday night football gig. Cause he's currently doing Thursday night football for college football and has appeared on college game day a lot. So I would hope that he would go on to broadcast Monday night football. We'll have to wait and see on that. Or maybe just maybe they call the Logan Blackman show and get me on there. Logan Blackman from the Logan Blackman show on Monday night football. The dream is out there still. And with that being said, that's all I'm going to do on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Go follow the social media accounts. I've said them enough, so you should know them by now. So go follow those accounts, and I will see you guys on Wednesday. Peace.